Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Shit bowling ideas back and forth. Hippie science. Right. right. It's not science science. It's almost like I'm trying to call for just people to just be better. That we could have some kind of study on these type of Her mother was on board, I guess. Of course yeah. she was. She got pretty and... on board and didn't have to fuck the man to do it. <laughs> Our devil's advocate type stance here. See you Jessica. And you're Seth. And this is the Hippie Science Variety Hour. So lately, we've uh, we've been talking a lot about implanted medical devices. Yeah. You you had a situation with one not too long ago, and it sort of led us down a rabbit hole of you know the how they affect people on a not only physical but a mental level. Right. Like a psycho- psychological level. Psychological level, for yeah. sure. Uh, you know, there's been... You know, it's it's not uncommon for people, if they get, you know, a pacemaker, to experience some level of maybe anxiety or depression or um, fatigue even. There's been plenty of reports of fatigue from pacemakers. Right. But your situation wasn't a pacemaker no and it was entirely different you were getting yours taken out you wanted to get it taken out yeah so do you want to expand on how that went for you how you were feeling around the time so yeah um this year had marked five years that my portacath had been in my body um actually about the same time it went where it wasn't working properly. It yeah. stopped so working. Do you want to describe that matter? Describe what? Like why so, it wasn't working? Yeah. How the tro- the kind of troubles you were having with it. Okay. So a portacath, for people that don't know, first of all, is an implanted device that you have basically an IV under your skin. And a tube goes in main, your main artery in your heart to deliver medication. But it doesn't just stop right there. It actually runs all the way down to about your belly button. Down the may a- main aorta. Yeah. In your chest. <clears throat> so it's really common to experience like mid-chest pain with them. Just because you've got a foreign object in your body. But what I started to experience where... It wouldn't flush properly. You have to put heparin and saline through it every time you use it to keep it from forming blood clots. So mine, my nurse wasn't able to get it to flush. We weren't able to get it to flush, anything like that. So I went to the doctor and we were scared that there was some kind of infection or something. And in fact, I had it dead set in my mind that there was I just knew it to my bones I don't know how to explain it I just knew that thing was making me sick so went to the doctor and they set it up for us to get it taken out and um sure enough when they cultured the tip it had a staph infection on it I didn't realize you'd actually found out what was wrong with it yeah you know how I found out you don't because you just said you didn't know yeah I got a handwritten maybe two sentence little card from my doctor what because you went through a whole process to find that out yeah i did um i remember going with you when yeah, you when, we when you tried to get it checked the first time mm-hmm. and they didn't they try to draw out of it and yeah they tried to draw out of it they tried to put a clot buster in it right and it still wouldn't work and so that's when it was basically, I wasn't using it any longer at that point. Now, mm-hmm. I'd stopped using it because it didn't work. You were still flushing it pretty regularly, though. Yeah, I mean, when it stopped working, I was still on home health that my nurse came out every single week to even put in new needles. Right. So it wasn't like, I had gone, when I was in remission, I didn't use it for almost two years. Now, I would flush it every couple of months, mm-hmm. but I never had a problem out of it. The only time I had a problem out of it was this one time that it turned out I had a staph infection. The timing on that was pretty interesting, though. Yeah, it was. Right. Because as you... That was around the time you started coming back, Mm -hmm. right? You started getting healthier. And I think before you ever even started having issues, 
you started getting this weird sort of My emotions with on it. it changed. Yeah. You mm-hmm. really started kind of hating it. I did. You, you kept talking about how having something foreign in your body was just wrong. It's not natural. And you were so, so, so severely against still having it. Yeah. I just wanted it out of my body. And I, I didn't experience that when it got put in the course of five years that it was in. There were times that I wished it wasn't there, but it was usually because someone draw, drew attention to it. Like right. when and I was not, bartending, they're not someone super noticeable either. I mean, I'd, I'd seen yours. Well, I mean, I had lost so When I had it put in, I was 130 pounds heavier than by the time that I was like out in public with it and wasn't using it. And oh, it was so. very noticeable. It looked like I had another collarbone. It still, I mean, it did before I had it taken out. Well, you know, you could just make that a fashion statement. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to pull that off. A little. A little. little. But there's that one um, model that you're a big fan of. Yeah, that's got the feeding to Melly right. White. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, really, you just got to make it work, Jessica. Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> so, what's really interesting to me is the fact that you really started hating the thing. Um, On like a visceral level. Like, yeah. I would have dreams about cutting it out and everything. I remember. Mm-hmm. You would talk about it when everything was fine. And you started talking about it in a, you know, that, that sort of hateful way. Yeah. Um, Much, much before you started having trouble flushing Yeah, it, it was. And it's one of those things that I really wonder if maybe the infection was starting to build and something in your body was just tipping you off, and I you think had no it way was. to know. I really pay attention to things like that with my body because I feel like our bodies do do give us signals, and they absolutely do. <clears throat> I mean, I had no blood markers that there was an infection, mm-hmm. nothing like that. It was just it wouldn't flush, and thankfully it didn't because if I could have, if I would have flushed that staph infection into my bloodstream. Oh, yeah, that probably would have been I sepsis. I would have been sepsis in yeah. hours. Yeah, that would have been really bad. Yeah. I, I remember one night you tried to get me to help you. Yeah, I did. And, I mean, I was shocked at the level of difficulty it was just to pull back on the syringe. Yeah, because I thought it was just something with my hands that I wasn't having enough, like I didn't have enough strength or something. I was like, okay, maybe I'm just being weird. I've done this countless times before. But get somebody else to check it out, and it wouldn't work. And then I think my nurse came out the next day, and she couldn't get it to work. And that's when we were like, okay, there's something wrong. I've never had this problem before. Yeah, and when something goes wrong that's that plugged into your circulatory system, you really don't want to wait around on No, it. you don't. And that's- I. Did. But there was this really weird experience, too, that it was a security blanket that even though I wanted it out of my body, there was, this has been in my body for five years. I hate it. Yes. But at the same time, it's always been there in case I got sick again and needed it. Right. Because that did happen before, you know? Toward the end there, you didn't feel like that. No, I didn't. Because that, that same day we were talking about when I went to the doctor with you, you... I remember being in the car oh, yeah. and really, really stressing to you because you, you were adamant. I was you said, adamant. It's I'm getting going out of to the body. doctor. I'm telling him to take this out. Yeah. This thing is coming out of me. And I was like, maybe you want to try to get out of the woods first. Yeah. Um, I remember you telling me, don't be upset if they go, if they tell, don't plan on taking it out. Like you need to be open to that option that you might need to keep it. Yeah, I was very, I was really concerned about that going into that day because I was very, very, very nervous about you just completely losing your shit yeah. on this doctor mm-hmm. when when he was going to say, well, there's no reason to take it out. Right. But five years is much longer than normal anyway, right? I thought it was. I mean, it's much longer than I hear about any typically like that you hear about people having it. But when I brought that up to the doctor, remember, he was, the oncologist was like, no, it could stay in for another five years. 
Because that first appointment, we didn't think they were going to take it out. No, they didn't seem like they were going to. No, because he was like, no, it could stay in another five years. If, it, if there's not an infection, why would we do a surgery if you don't need a surgery? Yeah. So, you know, one thing I really wonder about is for other kind of implanted devices, people who get that feeling. Yeah. Right? For something like a, a hip replacement. Um, like if they get that, this foreign object in me? Just, yeah, having a foreign object in them, it something sets them off on such a visceral level. Even Even when they're completely asymptomatic, right, they're not seeing any problems, they're not having any pain that they shouldn't be having, right? Maybe they've had it in for a few years, and it's still just knowing that there's a foreign object in their body causes them to feel completely wrong. I mean, I could see how it would be a common, like a common feeling amongst people with foreign objects in their body. Like I, I could see it just being a a normal thing that people have to come, you know, to grips with. Yeah. I wonder, I think it's probably a lot more common in, you know, people like you who at some point decide to take a turn for a much more naturalistic approach, right? You stop wanting to take, yeah. um, you know, conventional medicine and start going back to, you know, herbs right. or whatever it is. And that's one thing you can't go in and change. Right. Right. Once you've gotten a hip replacement, once you've gotten a knee replacement, there's really no going back. But see, I wonder if there's a difference between a medical device like that that's replacing a joint that you don't see as opposed to something like a pick line or a feeding tube, something like that that you do see. Like maybe, you know, I mean, this is a crazy thing to compare it to, but I have a back tattoo. Right. I don't see it. You don't You don't even think about tattoos. I forget about it. Yeah, I, I'm the same way, right? Yeah. I've got a tattoo on my chest. I never think about that thing. Right. Well, I mean, a couple of weeks after you get it, once it's healed... You see it, and you're like, yeah, I got a tattoo. Right. But you completely don't even realize it's there for a long time. And that's something that's uh, meant to be seen. Yeah. I just, especially, you, I mean, you specifically are an interesting case to me. And people who take your mentality, especially people in the Lyme community who have had such bad luck with doctors like you. Right. Um. I really wonder where where it breaks down, how a lot of people feel about what they have implanted, and once they get it out, if it really gets better. It has for me. It has for you, but you definitely yeah. had an infection. Yeah, I did. See, for me, I think a lot more about the build-up to it, right? So if someone told me I needed to get something like that implanted, especially knowing the things that I know now, I would really, really, you know, kind of demand of my doctor before it ever got placed that I need to see from him evidence-based, you know, research that this thing is going to work the way it's supposed to work. But I think that's because you haven't ever been in that position. By the time you get to the point that they, the doctors are even considering implanting something in your body... It's gotten fucking severe. It absolutely has. But so we ran into this when we were researching this episode. We found out about how lots of these devices don't even have to go through human trials. No, they don't. That's and there's no absolutely fucking insane to me. There's no agency of the government that oversees the safety of them. Yeah. There's no testing. They have to be FDA approved. I think but they don't test them, but they don't test them in humans. Right. They just sort of design the things and they say, okay, go. Do it's like your... it's more of a product than a medical. That's absolutely what it is. Yeah. I mean, the the patients who they're getting installed in are the, you know, test subjects, for right. a lack of a better word. And when patients start having, you know, bad reactions to it, that's when they find out that they don't have a good product. Right. It's absolutely mind boggling. It really and is. For a situation as severe as this, because it's just like you said, once you need a port, once you need a pick line, once you need a pacemaker, once you need any of that, you really can't afford to wait. 
No, you can't. And you can't afford for a stupid fucking mistake that could take your life when you're already fighting for it. Exactly. So, you know, imagine you already being in the condition you were in when you first um, came out of remission. Mm-hmm. Right. You were in very bad shape. Very bad. Um, you've had, I mean, you have some joint problems already, right? Yeah. So say you're like that, um, that one woman we watched a with video the hip about. replacement with, with the hip replacement for the metal on metal. Yeah. Yeah. That absolutely blows my mind mm-hmm. just from a bachelor's degree biochemistry perspective, because everyone knows metal on metal is crazy exactly why would you put that in a human body i want to know what kind of engineer ever thought that could work i mean it's really 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 crazy to me because repulsive it's a it's a prime example where money and getting the product out in the cheapest fashion possible is affecting people on a real real level i mean it really destroyed that woman's life Huh? It it really destroyed that one woman's life. It did. She was she was a runner, all of that. She's she, in a yeah, wheelchair. She was extremely shaking. active. Yeah. She was a, a news anchor. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna we're gonna link this in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, you see this woman, she was a runner, um, she was a news anchor, and you know, her appearance mattered right. greatly, being someone on camera all the time. And she goes and gets this implant that's all of a sudden scraping against itself. It was double hip replacements. Yeah. Oh, it was double. Yeah. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. She was born without sockets. I believe that was that one. Oh, yeah. They were misaligned. Yeah. Her sockets weren't exactly right. And they just kind of, her her joints just sort of landed in a spot and dug out their own spots. Yeah. And then because she was so active, she pretty much ran out the clock on those very fast. Yeah. Because she was 30s. Yeah, she was not young. very old. She was not old. She was very young. And it was that's just so alarming to me. Right. It's we're in a weird situation talking about this because you talking about how no, once you need one of those, you need one of those right then. Yeah. And, you know, usually I'm much more like <clears throat> if there's medicine you need, take your medicine. Yeah. But especially in this what in this situation, knowing what I know now, I would really, you know, maybe if a physician ever brings up the fact that if things keep going this way, you're going to need a port mm-hmm. or you're going to need a pacemaker or this or that. I would almost as much as possible demand that your physician provides, I mean, actual, you know, evidence-based clinical trials in humans right. for these types of things after researching this holy it's terrifying. crap it's absolutely terrifying it is it's one of those things it's you know I, I talk a lot about how i think the industry behind medicine is the real problem in medicine mm-hmm. and this is exactly why yeah this is one of those things where they're so eager to push out these products that you get a situation just like that there was another video we watched where some guy got a uh, shoulder replacement mm-hmm. joint i'm not i can't remember what it's called but, I mean, not long after he got it, the damn thing cracked. And then they found out, I mean, very soon later, that it wasn't approved in America. He was Australian. But it wasn't approved in the U.S. And it was approved in Europe because I guess they have different standards. Yeah, they do. And they have different food standards as well. In good ways and bad ways. Yeah. A lot of good ways, though. Yeah, like the eggs. Mm-hmm. I think it's so crazy to me. How how in America they are, you know, they have much lower incidence of uh, salmonella in eggs over there yeah. because they don't wash the eggs before right. they give them to people. Because it's a natural antibiotic. Or yeah. Right? The the sort of goo. Yeah. Is. Yeah. Naturally. It's antimicrobial. Or, yeah. yeah. And over here, we're just washing eggs just so they look and better. And bleaching them. And bleaching them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand why people are so wrapped up in having like a. A perfectly white egg. I don't get it. It's weird, right? It really is. If I get a nice brown egg, I'm excited about it. I am too. I get happy. I love farm fresh eggs. I mean, I don't eat them anymore. That's all I eat. No, you don't. With eggs? Yeah. Farm fresh? Really? Farm fresh, yeah. Good. Good. <clears throat> that makes me happy. Well, they're so much better for you. They are. They, I mean, they got that nice dark yolk. 
Yeah. Especially if the chickens are able to just run around and eat something other than grain. Like a normal chicken. Like a chicken. <laughs> yeah. Like a real bird. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of one of these chickens that have just lived their whole life in a cage. Oh, those poor things. Yeah, I guess, you know, the average chicken's feet never touches the ground. Yeah. That's it, oh, insane. And they peck each other to death. Yeah, oh, well, chickens. people do too. Yeah, but fuck people. <laughs> yeah, fuck people. Save the chickens. Really? <laughs> <laughs> But no, I at this at this point I'm really interested in your, you know, super, you know, you can go full on hippie naturalist rage against the machine on these on these medical products and I'd like to hear what you have to say. These Im- these implants at least. Okay, so <clears throat> couple of ways I'm going to go on this. Please. First, implants immediately triggered. We're not even thinking about breast implants, which I know those aren't typically looked at as medical devices. No, I watched I watched something on breast implants. Okay. Yeah. Um, um Yeah, there was mold. some woman what? Mold on fake titties. Yeah. Mold. You know, sometimes they Your they body's used to. not supposed to mold. Like there's no. <laughs> I think to, that um, proves my point enough. If you're turning into, you know, weak old bread on the inside, it shouldn't be in your body. No, certainly Just, not. Period. I know some of the ones that they used to use would, because um, now I think the more common ones are silicone bags with yeah, saline but they in leak. them. Yeah, they leak. Yeah, but it's not so bad if saline leaks. Yeah. If... Depends on the quality of the saline in there and all that. But I know some of the ones they used to put in had, like, toxic fluid in them. Yeah. And when they would leak, they would kill people. Yeah. Um, yeah, there they was one... They would go septic and die. There was one video I watched of this woman who actually somehow got blood cancer, not... Some sort of cancer mm-hmm. from her breast implants. I don't doubt it. And, yeah, she was absolutely Those are terrified. Chemicals. I mean, it's just, it's, you will never convince me, and this comes from somebody that has not has had nine pick lines and a porticouth in their body for five years. Mm-hmm. So, I've been around the block with having foreign objects in my body. Oh, I bet you have. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real knee slapper. Well, you know, bartender on Beale Street. <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna just keep going. Uh, <laughs> you just can't convince me that our bodies are made to accept these foreign objects. It's not like it's a valve or a kidney or a liver that comes from some biological source. We're putting plastic and metal and all of this in our body and aluminum, titanium, saline, silicone, any of that shit, you cannot tell me that there's not going to be a reaction on some level. There's got to be. Well, there just that's, has to. Yeah, that's the problem that um, <clears throat> we saw that one thing where instead of using the traditional textured devices yeah instead they started of a using that, surface um shark skin based it's not shark skin that they're building the devices out of but they look at the shark skin and they say this is why sharks look so clean and sleek all the time is because the texture of the shark skin is naturally sort of antimicrobial yeah and it's shaped them- where it's scales laid on top of each other but the scales are rippled almost right. like a wavy potato chip <laughs> it does look a little like a potato chip. It does. It's very cool, though. It is. It so, was really cool how he was talking about how it cuts down on infection so much. Th- yeah, that's the biggest issue. Right. Right. But, yeah, when you put when you put things in your body, especially things like the hip implant we were talking about, where it's going to naturally be giving, like, grinding against itself or grinding against something else. And the result is going to be, like, free ions of whatever kind of metal that is floating around. I mean, those are the things that cause, you know, you know, the 
the potential difference across cells. Mm-hmm. I mean, for all the different interactions the cells make, the most important are going to be letting things in and out most of the time. Right. Right. And if you've got, you know, just a bunch of positive, you know, some kind of iron, iron or metal, <laughs> some kind of metal, right? Um, a bunch of positive ions floating around and it's causing the electrical difference between the inside of the cell and the outside of the cell to be thrown off. That's going to come up with all kinds of metabolic problems. Right. And then if you think about, okay, a defibrillator, mm-hmm. that is electrical impulses. So who's to say that's not triggering some kind of chemical reaction with your cells within their body? Well, defibrillators are usually, we're talking about external. No, I'm talking about internal. So like a pacemaker. Pacemaker defibrillator, yeah. Yeah, see, those are specifically designed to do that. Right, um, but they can be hacked. They can They're be hacked. They're not perfect. Yeah. That, <laughs> Obviously, um, that, that was, was terrifying. Tri- that was terrifying. Ooh. So, yeah, we watched this um, video on this researcher who decided he was going to look into the different ways that electrical, just all sorts of different types of electrical devices could be hacked with just regular technology. General One of them hacking was like skills. a little kid's toy, right? Yeah. That's terrifying. It was. It was like a two-way radio or some shit. Like, I'm imagining those walkie-talkies you get, you know, when you're a kid for like 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what this was. And they were able to hack was. it with that. It was so mind-boggling to me that they, I mean, it went from, he talked about how cell phones were harder to do because yeah. they're designed in a way that are going to make them less hackable, mm-hmm. right? But a lot of devices like cars don't don't even get that level of protection, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the ones that really freaked me out were pacemakers. Those are the ones that really freaked me out. Yeah, those were the ones where they can actually go in and manipulate how the electrical signal is going to be, you know. And I would think released. it would be also equally as easy for the ones that are the electrostimulators within the brain, like. It's the same basic premise as a defibrillator pacemaker. So those would... Do you want someone to be able to hack your brain? No. I mean, you could probably use it. Screw you. (laughs) No, those are... So those are really interesting to me. Um, They've shown some pretty promising results in helping people with um, Parkinson's, I think. Yeah, Um, so did lobotomies at one time. What's that? So did lobotomies at one time. Yeah, but... These are making people more present, yeah. Versus a lobotomy making a lobotomy making someone less present, right? Um, if you can increase someone's qualities of life, someone's quality of life in such a drastic way, I think it's definitely worth looking into. But if they're not going to take the time to develop the product in such a way that it's obviously going to be safe for the patient to use, then what are they even doing, right? If you're they're making money. They're making money. <laughs> That's all they're doing. It's despicable. It is. It's the it's it's so fucking infuriating to mm-hmm. me. I mean, I you're not going to get me arguing against the practice of modern medicine, okay? It's supposed to be the most state of the art science that we have. I mean, it really is. It's and in a lot of ways be, it yeah. is. A lot of ways it is because it's in in Okay, the procedures themselves that they've looked at are reproducibly effective <clears throat> in very meaningful ways, right? But if they're not going to take the time to check every little variable that goes into it, because if they see, you know, if you shape a hip joint like this, then it's going to work good, going to work well, mm-hmm. I'm not illiterate, <laughs> um, then it seems to be that's the point where they just run with it. Right. If they can say, we can replace your hip joint and we can replace your socket. And we can replace, like mimic that movement. That's as far as they go. Right. If it'll do the job it's designed to do on the very basic level, it's out the door. Screw safety. Exactly. And I'm really, really, really blown away by this. Because medicine, 
there, I mean, there's a big reason that medicine is so slow to develop because they really have to spend years and years on clinical trials in animals. And then moving to humans is very hard. You have to go through huge ethics panels. And I mean, it really just takes an, an absurd amount of work to get any drug approved. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they wouldn't hold just any other device that you're putting in someone long term to the same standard is absolutely absurd to me. It blows my mind. I mean, and to think just in my family, okay, after falling down this lovely rabbit hole, there are two pacemakers, one defibrillator, and a heart monitor out of my immediate family. Yeah, All exactly. very hackable devices. They certainly seem that way. Yeah. Now, I don't think that is super common yet, right? Yet. But as we move forward, this is going to be a major, major issue that needs to be focused on. I could even see it becoming a part of war. No, I, honestly, yeah. I Ter- could. Terrorism was the very first thing that I thought mm-hmm. of. If if some great, you know, terrorist network that was really technolo- technologically advanced decided this is the way that we're going to do terror we're going to go you know find whatever because things are moving to be more centralized yeah and there's good and there's a lot of there's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad attached to that because as things are more centralized they're going to be able to look at data in a way that they never have before they're going to be able to see things that are happening you know on on much better levels than they could but as you go to centralize that sort of data then for sure there's going to be some exploit in that system where someone can go in and say, okay, now all of your pacemakers are going off at such a rate that it's causing people to, you know, fall out. Yeah. It's absolutely, I mean, it it freaks the hell out of me. Yeah. It's scary. I mean, it really is. And to think that the same company that makes baby powder is making these fucking devices. Well, these companies make everything. I don't care. I don't think they should. No, probably not. I just not. don't. Um, if you're making Q-tips, don't make a hip replacement. Stay in your lane. Well, the issue with that is that... And it's it's a, it's a larger societal issue anyway. Um, you can count on your two hands... The companies that own most of Everything. the major products that you ever use. Everything. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's the so yeah we don't we probably don't want to say the name of the company directly. No, but they certainly seem to make baby powder that gives people cancer. Yeah, and exactly. I don't want them making something I'm going to potentially put in my body. Right. Or in somebody's body that I love. So, the company that makes the baby powder with that <laughs> company's logo on it mm-hmm. is probably just a smaller subsidiary, you know? Oh, it it's is. Not, it's not, you know, their it's logo to on the outside bigger. of the building that's making the baby powder. Mm-hmm. Same as, you know, in Memphis, we have a pretty prominent you know, medical device yeah. manufacturing place. Mm-hmm. And they're almost certainly owned by a company like that. But they're not, you know, when the product get, gets released, it's going to have the, you know, grown-up corporation's logo on it. Did, and you, did you see that one where um, they actually refurbished the devices? What? <laughs> That's fucking crazy. Yeah. I didn't see that at all. Yeah. So they're they're taking them out of what, dead people? And then I'm recycling assuming them? dead people or like if it miss misfires in someone's body. Yeah. And they take it out and debug it and you can have yourself a refurbished pacemaker no, at thanks. the exact same price, I guarantee you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, if I'm getting anything like that, I want it straight out of the box. It better be be new. (laughs) Yeah. I really, really, really... um, This is, I think, the point of this episode. I just really... I want people to think downstream in their situations, especially chronically ill people, people who find themselves in situations like yours, right? If 
there's a decent chance you're going to have to get one of these things. Really, I mean, don't hold back, yeah. right? Ask your doctor. Do Ask your research your doctor, yourself, Do the too. research. Well, a big problem with the research is that it's not publicly available. Yeah. This is another thing that grinds my gears. <laughs> <laughs> I really hate <clears throat> almost all the scientific research that's done mm-hmm. in this country um, is done by publicly funded universities yeah there was one woman i think it was the hip replacement woman that said she could find more information about her child's car seat yeah than about her her hip replacement replacement. right and that's because they probably hadn't done the studies they hadn't and And if they had they had already been sued there was something like ten thousand cases against that one hip replacement they took it off the market and two years after she got it mm -hmm. yeah it was it's insane the fact that this information... You even find out if your airbags expire. Like, exactly. you can't tell somebody their hip replacement has been recalled? That's it. Come on. But I mean, it goes... It's even deeper than that, right? All of this information is publicly funded. Right. Your taxes, my taxes, everyone mm-hmm. who's listening, your taxes go into funding their research and development for these types of products. Yep. It's absolutely grant funded. Mm-hmm. Almost every time. Yeah, it is. And... The fact that they keep this information private, the fact that you can't, if, if, I mean, we've run into the problem, even just trying to research, trying to research for this podcast. Yeah. We run into paywalls on, on all these different, you have to have basically like a university email to to even get access to some of the research that's available that the university. That's public research. Yeah. And it's, it's public research on all kinds of things. Yeah. It's absolutely sickening. And even just the struggle we had finding research for this episode because we well, we wanted to, you know, know what we were talking about a little bit. <laughs> yeah. At least have a vague idea and open our minds up about things that we hadn't already thought about. And it was hard to even find like Extremely actual hard to find. research for this. So one thing that's really driving me crazy is I remember when a person who's close to both of us had to get a pacemaker. Mm-hmm. And he told me not long after he got his pacemaker that he was feeling really depressed. Yeah. And I said, what are you talking about? And he goes, "When a lot of time when you get a pacemaker, you get really depressed. Mm-hmm. And I, that blew my mind. Yeah. Because it, to me, it's like, what do those things have to do with each other? See, right? I think it's the psychological effect of having something foreign in your body. I think there's a big part of that. That we just have this... Like a innate instinct to not put foreign objects in your body. I think, in some especially place. with something sort of intimate, like a heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we attach high so cultural much. significance to a heart. Yeah, we do. Right? Even though your heart is really just a muscle pumping blood. Right. You know, everyone associates it with love and mm-hmm. character and all of these things. And having a feeling like your heart isn't even controlled by yourself anymore... I think that really weighs on a lot of people. Yeah. In in ways that aren't easily quantifiable. And when we were trying to find the quantifiable ways, th- that research is super unclear. Yeah, it There's is. so many variables that they haven't been able to parse out. It's absolutely incredible. And I mean, we looked at three different studies that basically said... The yeah, exact same thing. We yeah, don't know. A lot it of people happens. get depressed. A lot of people get anxiety. Mm-hmm. A lot of people get fatigue when you put these things in. And, and that's you know, it. Those are things that feed on each other very often. And being so sick that you need those devices, you're not going to be at the highest peak of your life. Jesus Christ. Exactly. If you're already depressed about being sick. Right. And then you get something put in you. It's usually a surgery. So then you're going to have to factor in, okay, anesthesia, the pain medication afterwards, the recovery, the pain. The emotional trauma of being down and out, all of those things. Like, of course they're going to be depressed. Of course. You know? What's somewhat heartening, though, is that was about a quarter of patients that really had it bad. Yeah. Right? It wasn't that with that one. Yeah, with that one. Yeah. With that one. I couldn't find anything about porta caps, pick lines, feeding tubes, any other device that I tried to look up. No studies, just pacemaker, defibrillator. Same, same. It's very hard to find anything on any of the others. Yeah. Um, 
You know what it really makes me think about though? I really I really wonder if we if we were to study people who think that aliens have abducted abducted them, mm-hmm. right? And the way that their brains work when they think the aliens left something in me, mm-hmm. right? Those people, the way that their brains work versus the way people who are in some sort of mental distress about knowing that a a surgeon has implanted something in them. Ooh, that would be interesting. That would be really cool, yeah, right? Yeah, would. And I just wonder if it's that same sort of distress. I think there would be an added layer of panic if I thought that some unknown entity put it in my body. Right. But at the same time, there's also an a deeper level of anxiety when your life is depending on it. So that would be really interesting to kind of try to parse out. Certainly. But I mean, they haven't even been able to parse out the <laughs> depression, and anxiety thing. Yet. Right. I mean, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Exactly. But you know, I wonder how much that's even getting looked at. None. I, I mean, obviously it has a little, I mean, there's published papers on it that we were able to look at. A few that though. Thankfully we're in the public lot. domain. Who knows right. how many aren't? Exactly. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. I'm really, I'm really sickened by the fact that all publicly funded research isn't just in the public domain. It should just be free. It, you it should, should be able never to... be behind a paywall it should if not. tax dollars went toward it. Yeah. I think it's absolutely disgusting. And those ones piss me off so bad they give you the little bitty tidbit of the study and then you have to pay to see the full study yeah like screw you dude yeah when you can read the abstract Mm -hmm. and a lot of times there's a ton of information in the abstract yeah there is but you want to know more yeah you want to be able to look at the way that they did the study to know if it's actually good to see if it's something credible that you're like okay i agree with the ethics in which the study was done and or or just the way that they did it right because a lot of understand how they got to that yeah it's really, it's a nasty, nasty industry. Yeah, it is. That's the thing that, the reason that this happens really often is once the, you know, once the research has been done, it's not the university that holds the patent for it where the uni- where the research was done. No. It's someone buys it and then the company who's monetizing whatever that research might have told them holds the patent and then they keep all that secret mm-hmm. so that no one else can replicate the process that they're exploiting. At whatever point our country decided to monetize healthcare is where we really fucking went off path. Like hardcore. It's certainly a big issue. It's certainly a very, very severe problem. Yeah. Because so much of it, I mean, it, it's not about patient care at all. It's not. Um, I'm, just I'm very revolted at the way it's all turned out because people like you, you, you've run into so many issues, so much financial hardship just because you're sick. Mm-hmm. And I mean, especially when you get in a situation like yours where for the longest time you weren't able to generate any income. None. And, and very little now. I mean, it's not enough to live off of. Right. And this profit motive they have behind whatever it is that they're doing is causing them to cut corners in the way that they're doing. Dude, I have a natural <clears throat> doctor that I went to that cost a whopping $500 an appointment plus whatever you bought, plus right. whatever supplements, plus whatever treatment, whatever, you know, if you did different therapies there, what have you. There was a $150 port access fee for my port cath <laughs> For something that's already there. Yeah. For, for them just to put a, a needle in a, it? A procedure that you could do yourself. I did. Yeah. Once I found out it cost that much, psh, let me go in the bathroom a minute. I'll do it myself. Exactly. Screw that. Yeah. So, getting back to the actual implanted devices. Right. right. I could probably go off on a rant about how disgusted I am <laughs> with with just the way that public information and people's access to that that type of information is limited all day. And I can definitely jump on a soapbox about the problems in our medical system. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And those are the problems. That's exactly the kind of thing that I, those are the, those are the problems when I say the system is broken, not the practice. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely the system. And 
I mean, it's it's not only medicine. It's it's general, you know, just the scientific field in general. Yeah. It it just gets exploited. For it's gotten to this point where medicine and science isn't questioned anymore. Like it's it's questioned internally. Nah. Yeah, it is. It is. It doesn't seem like it. I'm it's questioned look. internally. I don't pretty know. rigorously. I beg to differ. Right. The the industry is built on people questioning each other. And and you know, it's 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 the type of thing but it's that a, a lot, lot of grad of students started questioning. No. There's not What do you mean? There's not someone like a like the safety issue. There's not someone okay, will we prove that this device can do X thing? Don't stop there. That's not where research ends. No. That, so there is a, it's not a big problem absolute. with that. That, you know, something will be shown to be good in one way. And then, yeah, they go and make 15 other iterations of right. it without testing that stuff as thoroughly as they did the first one. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, we've improved it in this way, this way, and this way. And it will be improved in those ways, but they won't have done the legwork to find out why those improvements are causing other downstream problems. They don't even... And this is probably my jaded nature because of what I've been through, but if they don't give a fuck what it does to somebody, I'm telling you, no, not the not the people who are making it. I don't even think the doctors do. I'm serious. A large majority. They do. They do. A lot. I think it's set up for money, man. No, not there are certainly those doctors, right? But most people, by the time you've slagged your way through medical school and residency, they. They are very jaded a lot of the time, right? And they're, because the the businesses that they work for, being the hospitals and such, they are based on a profit motive, yeah. right? And, I mean, most doctors are just like any other people. I mean, I don't think they're, that they're, they're evil they're bogged down, people. No, they're bogged down in their work, and they just don't get the chance to look into things as deeply as they would want to right i don't think it's i don't think it's that most doctors just don't care i don't think that they all just don't care i think that the scales are tipped where the patient outcome should be the majority factor and money should be the back burner i think it's opposite i think money's the front runner and patient care is the back runner. Yeah, it certainly is in a lot of institutions. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't blame that on individual physicians. I don't think that's how most of them are. I think that they just get put into those situations by maybe the administration of the hospital. You know, the people who are crunching numbers who, you know, they went and got their MBA and their job is to find out how to make as much money for that hospital as possible. And then they... I mean, it's just like any other sort of production facility where they'll pile so much on top of the doctors that the doctors end up being, in a way, kind of like grunt workers, right? But don't you think there's just some kind of ethical dilemma with making profit on someone's quadruple bypass? I mean, don't you think that's an issue? Yeah, absolutely. There's, I mean, there's also the issue of keeping the hospital's lights on, right? Now, I mean, don't you? I mean, I'm sure they've got plenty to keep the lights on. Yeah. No, no, no. You, you're misunderstanding me, right? Now, it does necessarily have to cost something, right? right? I, it doesn't I'm not mean, saying it, it doesn't, doesn't mean that, you know, a hospital's got to turn $100 million profit every year. Yeah. Right? And that's how some of them are set up. For sure. For sure. And a lot of them have these really bloated administrations that are very much designed to do whatever they can to generate more money for the hospital. And because the hospital makes more money, they can bring in more prestigious physicians. And those are, a lot of the time, the people that you should be looking at. Yeah. Right? People who... I I mean, I've, I very well understand... If you have to go through 11 years of medical training before you can really start your life, because it consumes your life. Mm -hmm. I mean, four years of a bachelor's degree, four years of medical school, and then if you want to be, you know, a neurosurgeon, 
just to finish out, you know, basic residency, that's like seven years. So what, eight plus seven, 15 years, 15 years as a student, that's not even counting going into some sort of a, a more specialized yeah. program, right? So by the time you're out, you're at least 35, right? <clears throat> if you're starting on right a regular sort school. of trajectory mm-hmm. college route, which a lot of people don't. Right. A lot of people go back. Mm-hmm. So you're you're starting your career, your proper career much later. And you need to make a fair amount of money so that it's incentivized, right? Mm-hmm. But, so, I mean, I think the median salary for neurosurgery is like three quarters of a million dollars. It's it's really, really, really high. That's a lot. It's too much. Jesus. It's absolutely too much. That's what I wanted to do. And I was like, that's too much yeah. even then. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, now, they also have to pay really high malpractice insurance. And the cost on the patient gets jacked up even more because there's a for-profit insurance industry mm-hmm. that's already piggybacking off of a for-profit hospital industry a lot of the time. And then the for-profit pharmaceutical industry. Exactly. And then the device industry. Exactly. It's just everybody's got a different piece of the pie. And there was this uh, one video I watched that said people think that Big Pharma has power. You ain't seen nothing till you see the medical device. Like, those are the ones that really have the money. Mm-hmm. And I believe it. Well, that's absolutely it. And, I mean, you have medical device salesmen that just go around. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. Just like, you know, people talk about pharmaceutical reps pushing these pills and how they'll court the doctors mm-hmm. and, you know, talk them into using their product. I mean, it's exactly the same. It is. I've known people that that's their job, that they are just in medical device sales, period. Yeah. I mean, there was a time before before I really started hating the, that whole aspect of the industry. I was considering doing that myself. I mean, with, with my degree, if I get sales experience, that's the type of thing that I could be doing. Yeah. Um, no, I don't want to. For one, I think to, sales sales is oh, an awful field. I hate sales. <laughs> right. Um. But, yeah, I don't want to be one of these people pushing a device like that. Right. Um, Look, I would happily go to work for one of these companies and do clinical trials so that I know when the devices went out, they would be fine. That they were safe. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe we don't have some letter organization that oversees that, like, that actually tests it, you know? That's, I just can't believe that. That's what really surprised me. It did me they too. They talked about it in one of those videos, mm-hmm. how people think the FDA tests this stuff. Yeah, and they and don't. And the FDA doesn't test anything. Mm-mm. They just look at, a lot of time, the company's internal research. Right. I mean, that's, I mean, chapter one in the book of you don't let people do their own research on their own products. Exactly. You, know? <clears throat> you don't let somebody judge the own quality of their own product. You exactly. Don't, that's just, no. It's just foolishness. It's so stupid. If, I mean, maybe that's where we need a good insertion of common sense into the medical industry. Yeah, you would think so. Mm-hmm. But. And care. And care. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, you know, speaking of care, right? This doesn't have a whole lot to do with what we're talking about. But that that clown guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and how crazy. So I did a search for. Literally, the search topic, psychological impacts of medical implanted devices. What do I get brought up? This man that has gone to the clown college in the U.S. and formed a clown troupe and trained all these different clowns to go to hospitals and kind of diffuse the situation with humor. I loved it. A yeah. real life Patch Adams. It's well. It's exactly what it needs to be. It does. Right? It is. That, that Patch Adams thing is very good. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's a situation you've had a lot mm-hmm. where once you're given bad news and... Oh, I know, try to diffuse you're, it? You're trying to deflect it with a joke. It doesn't go like, over well. No, this is serious. Yeah. <laughs> and it, think how much easier it would be for you mm-hmm. if... Because you know 
I mean, there's no question. I know, I know doctors. I know, you know, young people going through residency. I know people in these situations. They have gallows humor. Right. They have they to you have to get to. through the day. So yeah. a person who's been sick for most of their life probably probably has probably dark running humor. on a similar operating system. Really. Yeah. So it's. I mean, it's a whole thing of them being afraid to get a lawsuit or some kind of thing like that. But if a patient tries to react with a joke, you can roll with it. Just roll with it. Yeah, man. you can it's roll with so it. It's made so many awkward moments for me. Like, so many. That one recently, well, this year, where the doctor was like, okay, I need to tell you something. You know, your blood work came back. And they get that real serious, monotone, quiet voice. I need to talk to you, Jessica. Your blood work came back. I'm like, okay, so how do I spell what disease is going to kill me this time? Exactly. And she's, no, right? this is serious. Okay, who cares? Just roll with it. Yeah. D- if The fact that they don't recognize the fact that if you can roll with it in that way, you're going to process it yourself later. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're going to have the breakdown with the doctor in the no, room. No, I never have. No, I mean, most people don't. Mm-mm. Most people, they get the news. They might be really pumped out. They might cry. But they're not really going to lose it until later on. Yeah. It's when you get in the car and yeah. you're driving and you're like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I just, wow. We are not even talking about medical devices anymore. I mean. <laughs> sort of. Medical. <laughs> just med- medical things. Yeah. I really, really, really just, there's so much I wish I could do. I'm, I mean, I, I wish people would just think about things like this. Yeah. You know? But with this being a medical device episode, I really... I just want... I want people to take away the... <laughs> we, we've been really doom and gloom on here. Well, I mean... I mean... I don't know how to lighten it up. The research it's, didn't it's say rough. good stuff. It's really rough. It's rougher than I ever thought it was. I mean... I, really I told thought, you before we started recording that I felt like it was going to be a heavy episode, especially afterwards. I know I'm going to have some processing to do. Are you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I really, I just wish that they would just be better. That's been like the theme <laughs> of every episode. Just be better. Just be better. That's, I mean, that should be For the, fuck's the title sake, of the fucking podcast better. at this point. Yeah. Just be better. Yeah. Because we want people to be better. We want the industry to be better. We want everything to be better. Everything to be better. But, you know. Welcome since, to the Hippie Science Variety Hour, yeah. where we want everything to be <laughs> really, better. We. Yeah. We really. Really do. I mean. I, I really want people. Yeah. Who, who hear this. Talk to your doctor right as soon as it might start looking like you need something like that. Yeah. And really demand evidence. Yeah. Right. If they're talking about this new product, you know, this new hip implant that's just come out, you know, ask them how long they've been using it. Ask them about patient outcomes. Ask them about things like that. Really. And go online and see if there's any kind of group or community of people that have it i mean that's a great way to utilize social media find i'm sure there's patient groups with anything i know i was in some for portacaths and pick lines and all of that right so i'm sure there's some for the hips and knees and etc yeah and we've been so doom and gloom because i mean these are these are things of great concern here right you know you you don't want a bad piece of equipment getting put in no you you don't it's very very bad if, it, if that happens. But these are, like you said earlier, they're necessary, life-saving things very often, mm-hmm. right? And I don't I don't want people to be afraid to get them. No, and not at it, all. Th- from the way this episode's gone, it sounds like we are just trying to drive them away from <laughs> as Run! fast as possible. Right? And that's, n- that's not what I want at all. No. I, I don't want people to be afraid of it, but I do want people to make sure that they're taking the time to inform themselves. And... 
and not just taking it from the doc. Look, if you have a flippant, dismissive doctor who doesn't want to go through it with you, then get another fucking doctor. Fire them. Yeah. They go, work you can do for that. you. Look, second opinions, mm-hmm. third opinions. Yep. Do what you have to do. If I you can't don't have tell a, you how many doctors I've been to. Yeah, it's you can fire doctors. Mm-hmm. And if you're someone of limited means, I know that's much more difficult. Right. But there's someone else. There is always There's another, another sliding doctor. scale doctor somewhere. Yep. There's someone who can do something. And look, if you go to three different doctors who all tell you the same thing, that's a that's that's a it's good sign. It's probably time to right? accept it. But surely at least one of them will cooperate with you. Right. You you really you hope. You you hope that. Yeah. And you know, I'm screaming to the universe to be better. Right. But I'm pretty sure everybody could echo that. Uh, certainly the people who <laughs> will probably be listening exactly. to these early episodes. Exactly. Um, really, really, really. Um, I just I just want people to make sure that they're informed to not get railroaded because that absolutely happens. It does. Especially when you're sick. Especially when you're sick, when you're sick and you're scared and you're desperate for help, mm-hmm. it's important to remember that you're still a person with agency, right? Even if you felt like you've lost it, and if you feel like you can't appoint somebody that can for you, exactly. You know, like Take, when I, look, I went to I, doctor's I do appointments. That. Yeah. Look, if I go, if I go to that fucking VA with my grandparents, oh, the VA. Look, if I go to the VA, I go in there ready for a fight every single time. I have every time I've gone, I've been yeah. ready for it. Yep. Because it's just going to happen. Yeah, it, it really does. In a in a system like that one that's so just bloated and gross, mm-hmm. you you have to be ready to go in there and be like demand to get the proper attention. Right. You have to. It shouldn't be something that you have to do, but you have to be prepared to fight for proper care. You yeah. have to. I mean, you you've had that bad experience where oh. you were you were having a seizure in a neurologist's mm-hmm. office. For 20 the, minutes. The doctor wouldn't even come Wouldn't check even on come you. in. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. Wouldn't even come in. Like, even nurses came in the room. I am literally, and I'm not in one of the seizures where you're just staring off. I am in full convulsions. Yeah. Nurses are coming in and checking on me. My brother had gone outside because the doctor started raining her fucking twat mouth. And... Let's calm down with the misogynistic language. <laughs> Look, she was. Oh, <laughs> she was an unpleasant person. Oh, unpleasant person puts it mildly. Yes, I could not imagine being anywhere, needing help for twenty minutes, being there for that specific reason, and the doctor couldn't even bother to come and look, observe what was happening. Yeah. I mean, there's so much that can be, uh, you know, they can tell so much from so the way much. that a person's having a seizure. So much. And, and I'm about to have to sit and it. explain to you what happens when I have seizures. Why not bring your fat ass in and come and see it? Hey, hey, hey. Let's Look. calm down. Mm. <laughs> mm. I understand. I understand you're angry. My brother almost went to jail that night. Oh, I remember. That man was hot. Oh, he was hot. But. Even in my seizure haze, I remember how pissed that man was. Yeah. So, it was terrible. You know, we, we've talked a lot about how important it is for people to try and find information about these things themselves. Mm-hmm. But we've also talked a lot about how hard it is to find the information. Right. Okay. Your doctor has the information or has access to get the information. Right. They have access yeah. to print if, those if studies all find for it, you. You demand it. Mm-hmm. You say, you come to this room, you sit down with me, I'll come for another appointment where we can go through this. Right. You make you, some secretary, some intern print this shit off for me, I'll be back next time. Yeah. I want the studies. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Make them make it available to you. And you, you can, can do that it. with anything. You can come back. By the way, shots, any kind of medication, anything like that. You can demand from your doctor for them to give you the side effect and the ingredients, the studies on it. They have to give that to you. Yeah, they have to. So, all right, now that we're done being, uh, <laughs> now that we're done calling people, <laughs> calling people to uh, action, I think 
we've just about reached our time. I think we have. Actually. So, yeah. All right, everybody, go out there, get the information you need. Be Don't those get pushed medical around. Medical badasses you have <laughs> <Yeah>. to be. <laughs> look, look, just because you're sick doesn't mean you can't be a badass. That's it, right, man. Take uh, all that pissed off energy. <clears throat> be a medical bitch. Get your rights heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get your rights heard. Get your rights heard. You've been sitting here uh, practicing for a TED Talk for what seems like 10 minutes. It's already awkward. Yeah, I know. I'm kind of liking it. <laughs> I think we've just about reached our time. I think we have. Yeah. So, yeah. all right, everybody, go out there, get the information you need. <laughs> we we have no information on said family. <laughs> we have no information on anything. We know nothing. <laughs> uh, we look forward to talking to you next time. See you next time, guys. 